0: Welcome to episode 100, technically, of the D and D Music Factory podcast. I am David, and I'm Dan. And Dan, tell everybody what we will be breaking down today.
1: So today, to get us back in the swing, back in the back in the groove, to get Stella her groove back, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to start us off with another artist feature. Yeah. Now I'm going to give you two hints, and maybe or a few hints, maybe you can guess who it is. This is a person who originally cut their teeth as a heavy metal singer.
0: Yeah. True.
1: Then became one of the most prolific singer-songwriters of the 70s and 80s. Is often known for a singular instrument. And has featured... Mm, met, oh, what What other hint would I give? Married one of the most prolific supermodels yeah. in the world. Mm-hmm. And is known to have a substance problem for a long part of their career. And is still performing to this day, but maybe retiring soon and they are still alive. So it's not Eddie Van Halen. I know what you're guessing.
0: Well, they wouldn't be able to perform still if they were dead. Dan. Yes.
1: I yeah. was <laughs> <laughs> like, some of that matches up, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, pretty prolific songwriter, seventies, and eighties married a supermodel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Pretty you, great guitar player. You so did describe Eddie a lot of people. Hill. Yeah. Uh, what, what we're doing today is it's Mr. William Joel. Yep. This is Billy Joel Bill man.
0: Joel. Um, yeah, and to be fair, you probably didn't have to guess because we do put the title of the what the episode's about. But well, still, still entertain us and let I us definitely know. Forgot that we
1: do that. <laughs> yeah,
0: and it's probably included in our social media posts about it too. But anyway, just guess, just pl- pretend you didn't see any of that and and uh, have some fun with us. But yeah, I said uh, episode, technically episode 100, even though last episode 99 was in two parts. So we've we've got over 100 episodes but this will be titled episode 100 so pretty cool milestone i'm pretty proud that we got here um so i just wanted to take a quick t- uh, second to just say like fuck yeah for us um it's very exciting yeah it's cool it's cool to be doing this for as long as we have so um yeah this is i mean this is a fun one i mean who doesn't love billy joel man
1: there is no so i i i frequently will engage in the debate with people of If you prefer Billy Joel or Elton John. Sure. And I feel like I flip-flop very often of which one I like more and which one, but like... I think a lot of people do. I very much know more Billy Joel songs, and I feel like, pound for pound, if you're putting best album against best album, the winner is Joel.
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's tough. It's definitely a she tough one. Just call me, baby. <laughs> no, I said maybe.
1: Oh, I you said yeah, baby. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Listen, baby. I don't know if we can <laughs> yeah. talk like this for much longer. Um, yeah, I that's tough because the stranger is kind of perfect.
1: Yeah, I feel like if you're putting the stranger up against Goodbye Yellow Brick Road.
0: Yeah, I guess he's Elton's more song by song, it's potentially stronger. If you put them side by side, but yeah. as an album, I don't know if he,
1: I feel like he, Elton he is uh, Elton is the Rolling Stones, whereas Joel is the Beatles. Yeah, where he's like I, I see what he's like, saying. bam! I got four here that are fucking unbelievable, mm-hmm. and then there's other ones, but like yeah. these four are gonna blow your dick off. Sure, yeah, and, that's
0: true. The Rolling Stones, you don't typically, especially at this point in time, they put out six hundred albums, so. Yeah. They're not known. And for you got some one. of the like
1: classic known, you know. You got example you know, Main Street. You got Start Me Up, but then it's on, yeah. you know, a fucking record that you're like, eh. ah, yeah, yeah. Like the rest of this is kind of throwaway. Sure, but yeah, um, it makes sense. but like this, I mean, the Stranger pound for pound is like it's fucking massive hits, dude. Yeah. it's huge. Yeah, it's a really and awesome record. Billy Joel has, I think, his career. I mean, so obviously, we'll, we'll we'll get to it when we cross that line. But like, there's some mocking that happens of Billy Joel. Once he hits his eighties, <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and you know,
0: th- there's the the famous quote from Step Brothers, like only eighties yeah. Joel. Like, I mean, and that's hilarious. It's
1: probably one of the best music jokes that's ever been made. Yeah, of a cover band called Uptown Girl that only plays eighties. Yeah, covers. it is
0: hilarious. Like
1: yeah. if I if that was a real band you could hire for a wedding, I would hire them immediately. I'm sure there's a
0: wedding. knockoff
1: because it's incredible. It's so funny. Yeah, it's such an original idea of like. Dude, we're getting a cover band for this event that's only '80s. Jo- like, yeah, so it is very. So funny. it's a like, play piano man. Sir, I told you we don't do that song. Yeah, <laughs> like it's fucking brilliant, man. It's so funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're. I think our list here spans spans the career of him. Yeah. Um. Pretty pretty wide net here, and I'm very excited about it. And when when I was researching listening to it, I was really like, dude, I know the words to all of these
0: songs. I know. And and we also talked about it too, like. He hasn't put out a record since the nineties. He yeah. did that classical music stuff with his half brother in like the early two thousands or something like that. Yeah. But that's not a Billy Joel record. No. Um he ha- he he yeah, basically... like 9- ninety three is like the Yeah, he's he stopped in the nineties and is just toured and there's reasons for that. Um somebody stole most of his money. Um so you'd think he'd keep putting out records, but instead he was just like, fuck that, I'm just going on the road. I think it was and,
1: like one of those things of like records all make money. Yeah, and it, it was, was at that so point like, we're starting to
0: flip, and he realized he made way more money. Um, and I think, performing live, and, and I think that tastes,
1: was... tastes had shifted. Yeah, you know, what I mean, it was like, eh, like you know, maybe the last one didn't sell so well. So he's like, "There's no, there's no point." Yeah. Like, I'm just going to put out diminishing returns, and, like, Mm -hmm. that could hurt my touring. Sure. But if it's, like, but if all, you know, if you're coming and all I'm giving you is the greatest hits every night. Right. You'll fucking come every time I show up. And people do. Dude, they do. Like, he still, if he played, if he announced he was playing Wells Fargo tomorrow, it would sell out out in a day. Yeah, absolutely. of course it would, because it's fucking Billy Joel. Absolutely. Now, it's a toss-up of which Billy Joel you're getting. Are you getting old, burnout, tired Billy Joel, or are you going to get old... Burnout, tired, drunk off his ass, Billy Joel. Great question. Um, a, a known substance, alcohol abuse problem through his career. Yeah, so um,
0: maybe we'll do like a quick, like a real quick biography for those who aren't familiar. It's it, he's more, far more interesting than I think people realize. So, like you said, he so he started out like playing with like random bands in Long Island, where he's from, and. Then he and the drummer, I want to say, from the band formed, what were they called, Attila? They were called Attila. Attila, and they wanted, yep. they became like a heavy metal band in like the late 60s, yeah. early they 70s, like something Pri- like that.
1: The, the album cover is them standing with a bunch of meat yeah, wearing armor, and they look like if Prince dressed up as Captain Hook. Amazing. Is how yeah. they look. It's hilarious. Yeah,
0: and that didn't do super well, and so he, he had a... I, I guess it's a famous quote. I don't know how, how many people know it, but he f- he failed out of high school and they told him he had to go to summer school to get his like GED or to be able to get his diploma and he said, "I'm not going to Columbia University. I'm going to Columbia Records. And so he had this kind of like idea of himself that he was going to become this super successful musician. Yeah and then once the Attila thing kind of fell on its face, he actually he actually tried to commit suicide. Yep. And um was saved by a friend who hilariously used to be a dentist or something like that, brought his old robes to the hospital and convinced the nurses that he was a doctor by like using medical jargon and got Billy Joel out of the hospital early, which is hilarious. And like definitely not something you could get away with today. No, but, no, no. Um there's
1: far too many checks and balances. Yeah, and yeah. Barcodes. Yeah. For luckily, something like that yeah,
0: luckily. Um you can't yeah, you definitely like you can't even get out now without scanning shit or having somebody check you out. But, um, so yeah, so he just kind of like laid on couches until he started recording his first record. And then it was like sped up
1: apparently. Yeah. Did the cold spring Harbor for an indie label. Yeah. That messed it up and sped it up too much.
0: And signed that label signed him to an, a really stupid contract that his friend slash manager got him into and basically that guy got 25 cents of every dollar that Billy Joel made and all of his merchandising. And and and, and it, so it was like so stupid. Then another friend's playing his piano demo after he's playing all these shows. Oh, and I don't know if you, uh, you know this. After that record came out and flopped, essentially, what got him back on track was he did a full U.S. tour, came to Philly and played – uh, at MMR and played uh Captain Jack for the first time on the radio and that got the attention of a bunch of people and eventually led to him getting uh unless signed Columbia, Columbia showed records. up and we're like
1: hey yeah hey who's that guy yeah uh, so who's, actually, that, who's that weird little Jewish Long Island man yeah so it actually it's <laughs> like, yeah. it's,
0: it's, it's cool that it there, there are some local ties to this and uh you know the probably rock powerhouse station that's lasted the longest in this city
1: it's the only one that's still around
0: right like that you know that that launched his or helped launch his career is kind of a cool story and then after that he just became um you know he gained a reputation for being one of the most difficult people to work with and yeah
1: he's so funny like a a true wild man
0: yeah grew up a boxer but
1: but like he's such a like weird little toady guy that you're like this guy yeah like but he was dude he was like notorious
0: yeah yeah, he was. Yeah, he he boxed when he was younger. He like snuck out and hung out with gangs. And you're yeah, like, dude. and
1: then you hear his songs, drugs, and like, booze, like, like no fucking way. Fucking married Christy Brinkley. I know when like she was at her peak too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fucking was the first guy to do a full tour in Russia. Yeah, after the fall of the Iron invad- Curtain. Yeah,
0: he he invaded the Soviet bloc. And like, oh, and, the and then like, that, like threw, broke well, a piano. Paul
1: Simon did Africa, so I gotta find somewhere. Yeah. And was like, and went in Russia. Yeah, dude. The thing with him throwing the piano over because they kept lighting the crowd.
0: Yeah. It's it's an infamous uh, video of him like yelling, like, stop lighting up the crowd as he's playing a song. Yeah,
1: because everybody was, he said the whole thing was lined with soldiers. Yeah. And when they would light people up, they would stop dancing. Yeah. Because they were like so self-conscious about like being pulled in by the secret police and yeah, stuff yeah, like that yeah, the KGB's
0: like, watching you have fun like, and like I they would were want the lights terrified, off so he yeah. was
1: like screaming at the lighting dude like yeah i
0: mean I, you know dangerous behavior to be doing in a place like that but yeah. oddly enough it may have been safer back then um but anyway yeah, so Billy Joel yeah Joel rules yeah really really interesting dude like really a badass but also has his demons uh you know was married to Chris- Christy Brinkley was married to somebody else whose brother became his manager and stole his entire fortune. Yep. Was married to what's her name? That's on the Food Network. I forget her name right now. Um, Barefoot Contessa? No, <laughs> no, no. She was like 22 and he was 55 and they got married. Jesus. And then is it Giada? No, no, no. It's okay. uh, I, I, it's I'm drawing a blank. I'll I'll mention it once it, uh, it comes uh comes I to me. Say, but,
1: uh, if it was Giada, all I would be like is. Nice.
0: Oh, it's a very, very attractive Okay, yeah, woman. of yeah. I
1: mean, he's, you know, he's no schlub.
0: Yeah. I mean, he is, I guess. But again, 55 and 22 is a pretty. Yeah, that's pretty gross. Pretty wild. Um, But so then he gets in like a car accident after that. It was like his third one in a month. Yeah. So it was, and then it was, she was just like, all right, dude, I'm out. Yeah, like, it's, like,
1: it's like, oh, I got my ninth DUI. Yeah. She's like, I can't hang out for this.
0: Yeah, like I just turned 21. Yeah. I'm not, I don't need to see an old man do that destroy himself. yeah. And just essentially,
1: you know, who wants to hang out and watch them and destroy themselves.
0: And after they've been on the road for like the better part of a year or two. So yeah. Um, Which he had to do and is really the reason like he basically had to start touring in the nineties because he.
1: Yeah. He's almost like the the Frankie Valley story. Yeah. Where like, you know, he owed a ton of money. Yeah. The manager stole like
0: $90 million and he sued him for the money back was awarded to two two point five million, I don't remember the exact number, but the guy was broke. So he yeah. never got it. So yeah, like
1: you can't get a judgment. They can't, they can't take draw blood from a stone.
0: Yeah, exactly. So he instead of putting out records, just went on the road and that's what he did from that point on, really. and um, you know, he's he was like a lot of classic people that you hear of where, you know, the hardest thing for them to do was replicate how incredible their live performances were onto a record and that's why he's been so successful, um, still performing because he's electric up there and that's what's, that's, what's made him so well known this whole time. He always puts on a good show, whether he's, you know, a few deep or not, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe sometimes that enhances it. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, um, it's cool. I'm really excited about this. I think we did, a, we chose some really good ones. There's, there's a lot of good ones, but why don't we kick it off, Dan? Um, Unless you had any more backstory you wanted to add. No, no. I think, I you think did, we can kind of touch I think on... I did a th-
1: great job here.
0: Yeah. We can kind of touch on the others as we go through the songs. So, uh, yeah. Why don't you kick us off with your number five pick?
1: All right. So, number five for me comes to us from the 80s Joel. Um, this is off The Innocent Man in 1984. Or, I'm sorry, um, 1983, technically. But this single was released in 84. Off The Innocent Man. The song is called The Longest Time. Um, this is the most doo wop Joel that exists and it's it's such a like uh, so the whole theme of this album was that he was basically looking to pay homage to his influences coming up through the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. and this is clearly so he says that it's um, that this song is a tribute to uh, in the style of Frankie Lyman and the teenagers. I personally don't really know that band, so to me, this sounded yeah, I no like what that is. this sounded like Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons to yeah. me, of that like four guys singing harmony, five guys technically singing harmony around a trash can. Yeah, uh, but it's also it's just a nice love song about how, you know, starting out he was like a lonely, sad guy and he was you know down in the dumps and then he found this woman, and he's so excited to be with her, man. Like it has the. Uh, it just has the my favorite line is just I forgot how nice romance is of just that like uh you know that first moment when you meet somebody and you're really excited and like yeah. it's like oh fuck right like this is great I need to get back on the horse and get back at this um, so it's Joel on leading vocal and all backing vocals so this is just him now the only thing that I don't like is that it isn't a true acapella track because there is like some sort of like Bass synth or electric bass going on underneath, probably because Billy Joel couldn't do like the boom, 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 super deep. Uh, But so there it is, it is an assisted five part harmony. But anyway, it's still sick. And also, like, it's so enjoyable, dude. When you're driving, like, when I was driving over here and listen to this, to hit the like, whoa, like, it feels so so good, man. It's such a feel good track. And I won't hear any. I won't hear any slamming of this song like this song is great if this came on the radio you would immediately turn it up and be like oh fuck yeah dude this song rules and like it's one of those songs like a uh end of the world as we know it where if you don't know all of the words to it you like for the longest time and like you immediately you know the refrain and so it's like a very fun like you like pipe down a little in the verses and then come back around for the chorus. But I mean, it's great, man. This is the second latest into his career song that I've chosen. That um, I go a little deeper. Yeah, you do uh, for the next one. But this is this is generally further into the Joel than I tend to go.
0: I think most people are on the same. Yeah, I think, page. I think a lot yeah. of
1: people end around Glass Houses. Yeah, is when everybody's like, okay, like yeah. <laughs> we can cut it here.
0: Yeah, well, I mean once he started doing these records and like all of a sudden it was like a happy guy because he was married to christy brinkley it was like what what's going on now yeah like not that. like we'll give other examples of some angst and things like that but yeah it was like a pretty drastic change in his tone
1: yeah and i think every other song on this record all the singles of this are bad tell her about it's bad uptown girl's bad uptown girl is not bad um
0: it is not a bad song.
1: Leave a Tender Moment Alone is a terrible song. Keeping the Faith's even worse. Um, I don't
0: disagree with the rest of them, but Uptown Girl <laughs> is not a bad song. There's it's true. It, it has redeeming qualities. It is not my favorite.
1: I feel like it's in that weird period with like 80s hollow notes. You know what I mean? With like Maneater. And like private eyes, where See, you're like,
0: you're, now you're losing me because I love those.
1: But in the sense, like they're all kind of like the same. They all have that like, fifth that like sixties like radio pop sound mm-hmm. that like they're all trying to emulate. Yeah, I get that, that. like yeah. it's just a weird. It doesn't have the edge. It all sounds like all. A American Bandstand, like sure. that sort of era of like yeah. almost Beach Boysy, but like. When everyone tried to be the Beach Boys. I get that. I just don't.
0: I don't dislike it. But I also don't dislike, uh, you know, fucking um, what's the Springsteen song? oh dancing in the dark I, yeah. some of these like because i didn't live through it like i wasn't there when the heel turn happened yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean like i didn't get yeah. that record and go what the fuck like that's yeah. the song i've always like i've always known those songs so it doesn't it doesn't hit the same yeah. way i wasn't betrayed
1: by hogan going to the nwo exactly so it doesn't hit me as yeah. hard yeah
0: well, that yeah. one that one's a little different yeah that's yeah. that's different yeah that one i, I was betrayed by
1: <laughs> all right dave so what do you have up for us at number five
0: Alright, up at number 5 for me is Big Shot, sorry. Uh, Big Shot is up for me at number 5 and um, this is one that definitely has more edge and is the reason that I, I chose it for my list because I don't know that like I was saying before that there was too many songs that kind of felt true to the kind of like background he had growing up as a boxer yeah. and like
1: a little nastier po- a little yeah more like guitar. this one's got a
0: little bit more of, it's got a lot of sarcastic lyrics mocking somebody and um, it's definitely far different I think than the other stuff he's put out um, it's basically somebody looking at uh, in a relationship a, a male character looking at a hungover or like day after partner who is, like, super hungover and, like, kind of regretting everything that they were doing the night before. And basically, you know, rubbing it in their face a little bit. Yeah.
1: Um, we're like, this is your fault. You did this Right. Yourself.
0: Like, uh, You know, and he has the lyric where he says, um, you just don't remember all the things you s- said and you're not sure you want to know. I'll give you one hint, honey. You sure did put on a show. You know, something that people... You would think that if it was somebody you cared about, that you wouldn't be rubbing it in their face. But couples get into arguments, so maybe that maybe it is. Yeah. Um, or like
1: you, everyone's like been with someone where you went out and they like embarrassed you. Yes. So it's less about like, oh, they're like they're like ruining something or they're doing. But like. When someone, like, really embarrasses you, and you're like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. Like, what does it matter with you? <laughs> you yeah, like, know if you mean? want to
0: get like this, like, let's if do it in private. With a
1: friend or a partner or something, right. you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, like
0: let's do that in private if we're yeah. going to get like that, because otherwise, yeah, you're carrying on. You're saying things, acting inappropriately, stumbling over yourself. There's a lot of different things that could be, oh, uh, dude, be happening.
1: Like, you ever, like, oh, when you're with, when you're not drinking, and you're with people that are drunk, mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm gonna kill you. Like, yeah, or even if like you, like,
0: you could be like on your taking it easy, having like one or two beers, and somebody's taking it. Yeah, and someone's way like way too drunk, far, you're and like, you're like, dude, relax. Like you're, you're also like people. I have
1: to babysit a friend now,
0: yeah, because you're a toddler, right? And that's yeah. you know that's what this is referencing. So um, there is a rumor that um, that it was about Bianca Jagger, oh. um, although he initially denied that and said that he had never... Apparently, he said this after going on a date with Bianca Jagger. And Bianca Jagger is Mick's ex-wife. Uh, I don't remember exactly Was when. Was she
1: the one that looked exactly like him?
0: Kinda, yeah. Where like,
1: they hooked up because he's like, I wanted to know what it'd be like to have sex with myself. Essentially, yeah. That's, um, that's such a great story.
0: It's Mick Jagger. What <laughs> yeah. do you expect? Um, you and, mean that guy's an yeah.
1: egomaniac?
0: Yeah, right? <laughs> um, so in like 2006, it says here, he denied that this was about a date with Bianca Jagger, but then he did an interview with Howard Stern in 2010 and said he did, in fact, write this about her, but it was after a, a dinner with both of them. Um, and he was writing it from mixed point of view about Bianca. Oh. So either way, still about her, which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, that like she
1: was big shotting him at the dinner?
0: Yeah, and like, I, I think that's... Like, somebody's really got to piss you off to write a song like this about them. Yeah. Um... But yeah, this, uh,
1: this could have been on our class yeah, songs glad you're not glad right about, about me either. yeah
0: for sure. Um, and I think another reason I really like this one is it's, it's heavier, it's it's darker, it's it's not the normal either just him and a piano uh, writing you know some epic ballad or the '80s stuff. No, this is the rock and roll version and of it, Billy and Joel. It sounds and like
1: a barroom compos or a compilation. Yes. Or, Composition, sorry.
0: Yes. And um, I didn't say it at the time. Uh, This came off of 52nd Street, uh, which was released in 1978. So not 80s Joel. Still good Joel. Um, Pretty
1: solid guitar solo in it. Yeah, it's it's kind of unusual for Joel. Very, very much
0: so for it not to be piano focused. Um, But that's one of the reasons why I've always liked this one. It's just him writing a good rock song. And I've, I've always loved that about it. Yeah. All right, Dan. Why don't we head over to your number four pick?
1: All right. From for me, this is one that I think if you're not a kid who was, you know, seven or four when this came out, like this maybe not like this was on a cassette in my mom's car.
0: That I I am I'm, I'm very anxious to hear why this is and on
1: here. this is River of Dreams from Billy Joel's twelfth studio album. I'm gonna say technically his final album.
0: Yes. Because we're not gonna count the classical. We're not
1: counting the classical from two thousand one. Yeah. That like yeah, I don't I don't know what the deal with that was. Just let
0: the family thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so this is off of the album River of Dreams. Um, and it was like it was like his album where it was almost like a more serious like point of view than previous records. And it's a very First of all, when it first starts, it could just as easily be the Free Willy Michael Jackson song. Yeah, I think I um, they sound so similar as the mixed them up, yeah. Um but I feel like this is a very like a very 1993 sounding song. Oh, that this y- could have yeah. been written by
0: anybody. This is what the a- this is what AI would generate if you asked it to put out an aging like somebody who Wrote songs in the 70s and 80s, and asked them to write a 1993 version of their song. This is what they would give you.
1: Yeah, like, or this sounds like a song that was written for The Lion King, and then they turned it down. Yes. Like, but I love this song. It's
0: good. It's just like it 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 moves. It bounces. I'm just surprised.
1: It's got like a, it's got like a Graceland bounce to it. Like it does. I was gonna,
0: I was gonna say this is him saying, "Yes, so what, Paul Simon? You were there in the 70s, but." I'm still gonna make a song that sounds like it came straight out of Africa.
1: And so this is um, this is the big thing that this is because of his ex brother in law Frank Weber. That this song was basically certain lyrics on here um, from songs like A Minor Variation, The Great Wall of China, are about that
0: mm-hmm. and about
1: being stolen from. Even this song that says. Uh, that like you know has a lyric about like something that I couldn't have lost, something somebody stole. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of in here, but I don't know what it is about this song. Maybe it's the the fact that it sounds like it could also in the middle of it have like a wee ma wet a wee ma wet. Yes. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, another '90s song yeah. that, like you just didn't expect.
1: But I always I always liked this song. I think the piano solo in it's really good. Um, and it's just it's like a fun. Sort of song like the the falsetto and the choruses is great. Um, it's basically the whole song is just about the pre chorus. Mm -hmm. Um, because they're this is one of those songs where the chorus is never the same twice, which I think is kind of funny. And then the big stop, Mm -hmm. and there's a big rest before the chorus comes back around again. And it's just, I really wanted to include this because I feel like it gets forgotten so much because it's way after.
0: I mean, if you thought people shat on 80s Joel. This is '90s Joel.
1: Yeah, and it's way after. Um,
0: yeah, way after. There's a what was the the eight, uh, number of years in between the album before This one? And...
1: So the previous album was '89. Oh, okay. Strong. So not too bad. Four, four um, years isn't crazy. But I would say it's a full ten years after you should have stopped listening to Billy Joel. Yeah, fair. Um, so it is that. Um, so the song "River of Dreams," um. Uh, peaked at number three on the US charts. So this was a fucking huge hit, dude. Yeah. Um, best chart-topping single in a decade as well as his final top ten hit to date. So this was the end, man. And this is one of the first records since um, this is the first record since Street Life Serenade where he didn't use his touring band on the record. Oh, All okay. studio musicians didn't didn't bring his touring band with him to do the record. And I mean, I guess you could say like it's probably for the worse because of it. But like at the same time, I think a lot of the other songs on this record are completely forgettable.
0: Yeah, I was going to say it sounds like the backing band for this was taken away from their <laughs> full time job of writing the music that you used to listen to when you would test out speakers yeah. at like Best Buy. Yep. They'd be like, oh, how does this sound? And it would just be like the smoothest jazz you've ever heard. Or like, that oh, guys, we got a break from do. the
1: dentist office job. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. We can do this. We'll work with Billy Joel. Yeah. Best uh, Buy says they've
0: got plenty of music to test their speakers. Yeah. We can work with Billy Joel for a couple weeks. This is
1: the 10-minute hold loop. Or yeah. The Muzak station at the mall. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, Dave, with that, what do you got up for us at number four?
0: All right. Up at number four for me is Vienna. This is a an interesting one because I think... I don't know what it was originally thought of. Um, but this is a song that's gained a lot of popularity for him. And it's one that I didn't really pick up on until a few years ago. It's actually... it made its way up into the top four of his Spotify plays. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy if you consider the amount of work that he has. And it, it's really fascinating really fascinates me that that happened because it's not one that you would have ever heard on the radio um, or thought of until recently, unless you were a diehard, I think. Um, So this is actually off of the stranger, uh, which was the album we were talking about before. It came out in 77. It's his best um, in our opinion. And um, it's definitely
1: his absolute peak.
0: Yeah. And uh, it was originally uh, released as a B side to just the way you are. And I don't know, man. This is just a really stripped down, beautiful track from him. And when you dig into more about his background, it makes it even more like beautiful in a way. So he, like we said before, was born in Long Island, and his parents were European uh, Jewish immigrants that came here. He's born in 1949. Then keep that in mind for reference here. So when he's a young kid, his dad is basically like. There's no culture in America. I need to go back to Germany where there's more culture. It's
1: like,
0: you're a, a Jewish immigrant from Europe in the 1940s, and you sir, want to go back not, to Germany? Yes, like, sir, did you what? not
1: hear what happened there? Because of their yeah. culture?
0: I, I, I couldn't believe it. So he doesn't go to Germany. He goes to Vienna in Austria, which is next door. Um, and that's what the song title is alluding to about his dad you know, basically leaving his family when he was a young kid. Um, it's also about the city itself and how beautiful it is. It has this uh, accordion part, which you would normally—I don't know—I I, I can't say that I'm an expert on Austrian music, but uh, if you think of, you know, an Italian street performer, accordion, is something that comes to, to mind. So it does give you that little European element to it as well.
1: Yeah, very big in polka. Yeah, from Germany. Yeah, so here, like, yeah true. Poland.
0: Um, And um, I just think this is one of the more beautiful melodies that he's honestly ever written on vocals. And a lot of his songs have great vocal melodies, but some of them are more epic and changing throughout the song. And I think this one is just, like I said, just a simple, beautiful, heartbreaking track that just just grabs me. And I think because it wasn't one that I knew super well, maybe that's why I have um, been more fond of it recently. Um, but I just think it's beautiful, and yeah, I, I I think he really really nails it here. I
1: feel like this song sounds like a smoky bar. Yes. And like you know I mean, you can like see a guy in the corner. It's sad. Like playing, you know, yeah. Recollecting on what yeah. happened and to like him he's as almost, a child. Yeah. yeah, and he's almost just like playing it to himself. Yeah. You know he's not performing it for you. He's just kind of. Yeah. Like between the requests and you know the regular set list, he just.
0: Sure. And is, maybe that's maybe that's part of the reason why it's more subdued and not a more you know bombastic kind of song because it's more intimate more personal to him and and not necessarily you know sometimes love is not as sometimes some versions of love will last with you for longer so maybe you know who knows what he was thinking when he went into it but it does give off the impression that it's a more emotionally centered song which um you know usually makes for more beautiful music all right dan what do you have up for us with your number three pick
1: all right, number three for me, we're going back to The Rockin'. This is off Glass Houses. Oh, yeah. Uh, 1980. This is the birth of 80s Joel. Seventh studio album, Glass Houses.
0: You're going 80s, 90s, 80s.
1: The song is You May Be Right. I think this is Billy Joel at his most Elvis Costello. Yeah, um, big time. It's 100% his most Elvis Costello. But this song is so good, dude. It's such a great, like, like really fun, up-tempo of just, like, and just a funny, like, the whole message of the song is, like, look, man, I might be a piece of shit, but I might be perfect for you. And yeah. it's great. It's just, like, you know, you got to take me how I am. Like, this is what it is. Like, you know, I might not be the perfectly polished knight in shining armor, but, like, you know, man, I can make you laugh. We can have a good time. And that's what this is. Um, this was such a fucking excellent song, man. So I think this album was the first single released from it, and I think it's still better because it's still Rock and Roll to Me is the worst Billy Joel song um, that was off of this. I, I think so? I do not like it at all. I don't mind that um, one. I don't know what it is, but I never dug it. Um, so this song um, reached number seven on the charts, which is a pretty big hit for him, man. Yeah. Um, abort- unfortunately, it failed to chart in the UK, which is pretty funny. Um, even though the other two singles did. Um, but this was not one for it, man. Uh, so it's the first track off the album and begins with like the broken glass sound, which is awesome, um, of him smashing the glass house. Um, and it's just one of those kind of things of... Uh, so Elton John uh, does a live duet on the one Billy Joel uh, box set with this that's awesome. But it's one of those songs that I just always found it really fun and like very like post-punky with that like lead line of like a bam, bam 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 bam. Yeah. I just always dug this, man. Guitar forward, Joel, which is unusual. Yeah. But it also, I feel like he's really belting the song out, which is pretty cool. Like it's not snarky and it's not like subdued. It's just it's very like wham 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 wham. And it's really fun. Uh, it was also used as the theme song for the, for the show Dave's World, featuring um, Super Dave, a.k.a. Funk, Marty Funkhauser, from Curb Your Enthusiasm, oh, R.I.P. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was like a short-lived sitcom, I think on like Fox back in the day, that my parents used to watch. Uh, but it's just a it's just a fun song. Plus, the end of like you may be wrong, but you may be right. Yeah, that part's um, so fucking. The guitar good. solo absolutely rips on here. Very like '50s like Johnny B. Good style yeah. ripping. Uh, this is a really fun song, man. I've always dug this song. And then immediately following guitar solo, sax solo.
0: Oh yeah. So like what? What's yeah. What's better? Yeah, dude. What it's else like, do you want?
1: It's like oh, I'm sorry. Did this just get twice as good immediately? Like this fucking rips and the last chorus when he gets to it he really like rah, like he's ripping it's excellent I like it so much um I think it's one of those songs that would be so fun to like cover just cause it's simple it's fast it's super energetic the drums are pumping great Billy Joel tune man
0: yeah it absolutely like
1: is if great. I was seeing a live set this would have to be in it Oh They're god, like, yeah! I gotta hear it, man. This
0: is yeah. You don't you don't necessarily want all the ballads live. Yeah. This is one you yeah, g- like, gotta bring have. Bring
1: the house back up, man. Yeah. After you play like you know, she's always a woman. Fire her back up with this.
0: <laughs> all Absolutely. Right, Dave.
1: So, what do you got up next for us at your number three?
0: All right, up at number three for me is "Scenes from an Italian Restaurant." I this is um, this is my long ballad selection because. Uh, Captain Jack is also incredible um, and knowing that it has the local ties too helps that but this one is just it's got everything man and you know I've I've discussed this in in other episodes with songs where sometimes when you get something long that kind of jumps different genres throughout it it can really be just like a beautiful almost album within itself and that's the impression that I get here Am I a little bit biased being, an it, you know, somebody with Italian heritage? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that 100% has always played into this and Plus my it, love for this song.
1: There's nothing more fun than the opening of just bottle of red, yeah, bottle yeah. of
0: white. It's it's beautiful. And just Marron, what a great song. I had to sneak <laughs> that in there somewhere. Um, Gabagool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it starts out, you know little soft and he just kind of paint the picture for you and then it just kind of like almost like a meatloaf tune it just kind of like goes and builds and builds and builds into these like other more rocking parts of the track and it's just it's just fantastic start to finish
1: and it has the little accordion in it yep just like that I was very saying much sounds like you could hear this playing
0: right like I was saying about the last track um, yeah so this is off of the stranger again from 77 the best album he has and it's just it, it, what else is there to say? I mean, it's got, like I said, three different sections. The they're titled the Italian restaurant, which is the first like minute and a half. Then we get into Dixieland jazz for the next minute, and then a piano solo. Then we have the ballad of Brenda and Eddie for the last three minutes, roughly of the song. Yeah, uh, it's a long one, so I'm not going to talk through the whole thing. But um, you know, three very distinct yeah. parts with and different sounds. The sax sound.
1: and the strings
0: and you know, the clarinet in here too. Yeah, it's just oh, oh, here it goes. Clarinet. It just hit, just yeah. hit. Um, yeah, and it's cool. And you, you know, it's great to hear him. Um, you know, this is one of the more the songs with some rockin' parts that also has a lot of piano forward stuff too. Yeah. And let's be honest, that's what we're all here for. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's an absolute maestro yeah. on the piano. It's like, almost
1: like a uh, like a Bohemian Rhapsody.
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, its It's, it's the his, slow part to the fast part. It is back the his solo. version of that, I would, yeah. I would say. That's a great comparison. Um, you know, it doesn't have a Brian May guitar solo, but it's got this little clarinet thing going on. Yes, yeah. Not quite as interesting as that, but Bohemian Rhapsody is kind of a perfect song. Yeah. This is a, pretty much a perfect yeah. song, but it's not Listen, Bohemian Rhapsody. Listen, I still Rhapsody. like
1: peanut butter and jelly. It's not as good as pizza, but I still right. like yeah. it. Right, <laughs> yeah,
0: and that's why it's number three, not number one. <laughs> yeah, so, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, man, I just like, you know, if you're going to listen to a long song of his and there are plenty to go through, um, it's hard to argue with this because it doesn't it doesn't drag at any point. It changes. Now it's into the oh, oh part and it yeah. completely flips in this Brenda part. It's just, ah, man, it's just a fun track that takes you on a bit of a roller coaster and you don't really know what's coming next. Even if you do know the song well, it can sometimes throw you for a loop, yeah. I feel like. Then it um, goes in
1: like the the Vince Giardi, like Charlie Brown yeah mm-hmm. like piano solo in the middle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great.
0: Absolutely, dude. Um, this one's great, and I feel like this album was like really his. It was the one where he kind of got the most control. Um, he'd find he'd worked through a few producers uh, leading up to this point, and this one for a lot you know from getting the producer right, the backing band right, finally, which was something he had always had issues with in the past. It really came together perfectly on this, and you can hear all of that magic working perfectly in this track, I think. So that's why it's uh, in the top three for me. Hell yeah. All right, Dan, why don't we take it over to your number two pick?
1: All right, number two for me comes to us. Number two for me comes to us from the year 1974. This is off of Street Life Serenade. The song is called "The Entertainer." Um, this is my favorite, my favorite Billy Joel song about Billy Joel, because um, he writes a lot of songs in first person. Yes, he does. Yeah. Um, and this is my favorite one. Um, it opens with just open strummed guitar, like it's just, it's very bombastic, very, very like we said, Bohemian Rhapsody, very Freddie Mercury like, you know, shouting to the crowd. Um, it's, it's very epic sounding even from the start and then has the great the great drum roll in Phil is excellent um, it's a it's kind of a cynical and satirical look at fame and what it is to be an artist and I think it's a very very Billy Joel yeah style of doing that of like the idea of like oh this all looks so good to you because you have no fucking clue what this is yeah like you have no idea what this life means and, you know, the, you know, I learned to dance with a hand in my pants and I rub my neck, cut them a check and they go their merry way. Like, I'm doing everything and they get a piece of it and that's just how it goes. And it sucks. But it, it also, you know, it talks about some of the good stuff of like, you know, I've played all kinds of palaces, laid all kinds of girls. Like, this life's not awful. But the idea that, uh, and the lyrics of it are so good, man, of like, yeah. uh, you know... If I get cold, I won't get sold. I'll go in the back in the discount rack like another can of beans is why I love this song, man. It's it's so – the phrasings are so clever, and they really, like, roll every verse is excellent. Yeah. Um, so this record um, peaked at number 35 on the U.S. charts um, and eventually selling more than a million copies and was recorded mostly with session musicians. And this was kind of the last time he did that until River of Dreams. Yeah. That after this record, he took his band on tour on the road with him, basically perfected his live set, and was like, "That's what I want my records to be."
0: And those were the guys, uh, correct like me those, if I'm wrong. Those three men, and they were from his, from where he grew up in Long Island. Yep. And they were like he grew up with these guys and played with them, so he yeah. knew them well. And, and he was and like, they, "These
1: were guys that played in bar bands their whole life." Yeah. <laughs> and they knew what it was to put a show on and play professionally.
0: Right, and they but they weren't like the the smooth jazz guys like we discussed yeah, uh, yeah. with River of Dreams mm-hmm. they had they had more edge to them and I think that was a very yeah. smart decision of his and that was then perfected I think on The Stranger
1: yeah, yeah. and it's it's perfect man Um, so this record um, the big thing it was his first time um, playing with a Moog synth too you can yeah, hear yeah, on I this was, song can, I was waiting um, for you to mention it because it's, it's, I was
0: excited too it starts like right in the beginning and it's it's got like a very cool like Almost like bagpipey sounds that yeah. he, he gets out of it. It's really interesting. It's a really
1: weird sound. Like, I've very rarely heard Moog sound like that. Yeah. It's very strange. It's cool, though, man. And I feel like this song, it hits a peak where he gets the I'm the entertainer, I've been all around, like, came to do my show, another serenade, and he like rips, like, another serenade. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, I could see, like, you see live videos, and when he does it live, he like stands up and slaps the piano. And like gets off, kicks the stool out, and you're yeah. like, "Fuck yeah, dude!" Like, rip this song. It's so sick. Um, it's the only single from this album, is the is a big thing. So this record didn't sell super well, but this song was gigantic. And then the other fun thing I found out about this is the picture on the back. He's like sitting with bare feet on the on the uh, in the sand, and like looking straight at the camera. And he looks so fucking miserable and <laughs> awful. And apparently, it's because. Uh, two days before sitting in the chair with his legs crossed, um, he had three wisdom teeth extracted oh, two Jesus. days before the photo shoot. Yeah, so he was do it. miserable. Yeah, that'll do it. And was in a terrible mood, and they still made him do it. Um so the entertainer, I mean, it's it's always been one of my favorite Billy Joel songs. And I mean, it's so fantastic. The the synth is excellent, mm-hmm. the song lyrics are awesome. Like, I mean, he's just like, look, man, I like fucked and sucked and like you know, like <laughs> smoked and snorted and it's dope but like it's also a grading lifestyle yeah so like if you want this it's awesome but be aware of what this is mm-hmm. and i think that was really cool especially the you know it kind of lends towards recognizing some of his later proclivities and addictions to things sure where it's like yeah man because that's a hard life living on the road you know 10 months a year yeah it's got to be tough dude especially if you know you know, you're not playing stadiums at the time. You know what I mean? You're doing smaller bars and clubs. Yeah. It's probably tough. So with that, Dave, what do you got up for us at number two?
0: All right. Up at number two for me is Piano Man. It is one I probably could have just played the intro to and everyone would have known right away. Yeah. Because it's the most you recognizable don't even need piano any intro probably mm-hmm. in music history. Or one of. Maybe not as recognizable as the Cheers theme. <laughs> yeah, but. yeah. It's close.
1: Or Charlie Brown. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. You know
0: what? That, now that we're talking about it, there's a lot of them. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it's it's his signature song. This is the mm-hmm. one that he's most well-known for.
1: It's him. They call him the Piano That's man. his... Yeah, that's his nickname. <laughs>
0: yeah. And uh, to that point, and to your point about The Entertainer, it's another song that looks inward mm-hmm. about what he's going through and experiencing. And, um, of course, he made it into a beautiful ballad that... Um, you know, one of the greatest songs of all time.
1: Yeah. Just a perfect painted portrait of the places he is.
0: Yeah. And what he's had to do and do, do continues to do to get there. Like, so like,
1: it's, it's Cormac McCarthy level, like environment painting. Yeah. Where you're just like, you can feel this place. Oh yeah. Like, you know, uh, you, yeah, you know it's... that the, carpet sags when you step on it mm-hmm. and you know what i mean like it's you just, can almost smell the other men at yeah, the, bar. Like the bar yeah like the bar top's sticky yeah the whole place smells like palm malls and like you feel like there's dark wood everywhere oh, like yeah. it's just it's oh, a yeah. place you've definitely been
0: yep yeah and he so and he was and he wrote this about a very specific place uh i'll get to that in a second it was off of his uh his album piano man came out in 1973 um, probably my second favorite uh, of his, I'm gonna say, um, and
1: probably one of the least flattering drawings of a person I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, it's very. It does not. It looks more like Freddie Mercury than it does Billy yeah, Joel. It really, doesn't Really, like him at all,
1: and really, really brings up his lazy eye. Yeah, it's really that, like, strange. Like, he like, he album never cover. really had that. Like,
0: yeah, it does. It's hard to ever picture him looking like that. Yeah, because he's just looked like a janitor for the last thirty years. Like but
1: he looks like a mixture of. Igor and Marlon Brando. It's like a yeah, weird really but with weird hair. picture, yeah.
0: Um so uh this is um in the Grammy Hall of Fame and is also in the Library of Congress uh, for its cultur- cultural and historic and artistic significance. They don't just hand that shit out to everybody. So it is uh you know wasn't at the time a big hit. I think it only peaked at number 25. But um, as his popularity grew, so did this, and yeah. you know for good reason. It's, it's it's epic.
1: It's a perfect like, the 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 line about like how the guy was like a really fun guy with the jokes and light up your smoke, mm-hmm. and then like it cuts to like Bill. I believe this is killing me. Yes, yeah. Like, that you're like, oh, it's it's such a like, it's such a perfect portrait of this fucking place, dude. But just so how funny.
0: how you know he's. So w- what was going on at the time? So this um, this was. He was basically, after he had recorded this record, they went on tour for a little while. When he came back, he he didn't have any money. Like they they weren't making any money at this point. So, in seventy two seventy three, um, the, there was a bar called the Executive Room Bar in L A. Uh, he's who he was living out th- originally from New York was living out there after he started uh, making the records, and he played there for like six at least six months in a row, like just every night basically mm-hmm. and this is his interaction with the, the regulars and and people that were there and you know it's fictionalized in quotations um i'm sure most of these people were just different names or it's yeah a, it's took a com- some liberties yeah maybe it's a, you know maybe he combined three people into one because you know you can't name every derelict at this bar because i'm sure there were plenty um the the line i don't know why but he's it's just the, the way he switches the normal phrasing of gin and tonic to tonic and gin to make the rhyme work—it's mm-hmm. just—it's not—it's not complicated. It's not the most you know prolific no. uh, lyric writing of all time, but it's stuck with me for my entire life. And yeah. I think that like, at, you know, as a man who's enjoyed a few gin and tonics in his day, love um, yeah, who doesn't? Um, it just—it just has always stood out and always been something else that I love. It's—it's. It's, showcases his piano playing um throughout it if you're if you're not listening to what he's doing throughout the entire thing you're missing out uh it's it's very very much in swing um yeah. which is unique for his his style of songwriting and um I, dude like what else is there to say it's fucking piano man
1: and like the the recognition of like and i think i think the most interesting part is the the recognition from him of that he's too good to be there, too. Yeah. With the, like, they sit at the bar, put bread in my jar, and say, man, what are you doing here? Yeah, yeah. Because, like, like L- if, L- if, if this the man guy had fucking played you yeah. this song, you'd be like, like, if I if I was in Panicos today, and there was a guy in the That's corner playing this song yeah. that he wrote, I'd be like, what the fuck? Like, how are you what, not? Yeah, what are you why doing Why aren't here? you at That's Capitol Records making a million dollars? Right.
0: Um... Yeah, it's, it's really it, – it is a strange thing to think about that he was just at this bar, like, shredding yeah. and playing, like, one of the greatest songs ever written to a bunch of drunk sailors who had no that, idea who the fuck couldn't he was. couldn't give
1: two shits about him being or there. Or
0: him or anybody else yeah. being there. Unless- also,
1: I wish I remembered who wrote the joke because I think it's one of my favorite music jokes I've ever read online was just – Man, for a song called Piano Man, that guy on harmonica sure never shuts the fuck up. That is fucking awesome. Like, that's one awesome. of the best jokes I've ever that heard is a about great a song. Joke. Of, like he's fucking all over this track. Like yeah. what the hell is this?
0: That is a great joke. It's just Holy a shit.
1: great, brilliant joke about wow. this song that I I have remembered all the time to this day, and I probably read that ten years ago.
0: I probably won't forget that either. Yeah. Um, all right, Dan. Oh, let's do some. Do we do we need to do B sides? Well, I guess do you we do, could we can mention do some? a few. Okay. There's a
1: few that uh, that hadn't gone on here. So we both said it already, but Captain Jack yeah, Captain is Jack's a great fantastic. I mean, one of the better songs about cocaine. I just feel like it's it's Billy Joel's take a walk on the wild side. With That's like his comp. description of like, you know, downtown New York City. Of like, you know, I mean? it's weird here. Here's like the, you know, the closet queens and the, you know, the drug dealers, and here's the place. But, you know, if you come down here, you can get a lift. <laughs> you know what I mean? You yes, can, you can. You can get what you need to to survive the night. Yeah. Um. I would also say, uh, just the way you are is his biggest single ever. Yeah. Um. Won a Grammy, Grammy for Record of the Year. Um. It's just I don't know. It's great. It's a great song. It's a great song. Yeah, it's a great song. Um. It's just like if I'm going with the. The slow romantic, I feel like there's, there's a few that I like. Like I don't think it's as good as uh, something from the Beatles. Oh, nothing you know what is. I mean. Like, so it's like, it, and I think of it very much in that vein. So that's I one always of kind my, of
0: that—that's like top ten songs ever written for me. Something, yeah. uh, it's beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I guess. Uh, what else would I put on there? Um, oh, I—I uh, I don't think it's a great song. I think it's a great theme. Is Allentown? Yeah, agreed. Um, and if you've been, if you're a person that's never been to Allentown, Pennsylvania, it's pretty fucking apt.
0: Yeah, you don't need to go. Now,
1: Allentown's shifting now. It's definitely different culturally than it was, even ten years ago. Sure.
0: Yeah. But
1: I can't imagine what Allentown was like in
0: 1983.
1: Uh, no. um, yeah, I or I Nylon Curtain would have been like '79. So like yeah. you know, posts or. So probably writing about mid, it from mid even gas earlier. crisis. Yeah. <laughs> or you know, like you know, if it's like early '70s. Uh, I can't even imagine, like, post-Vietnam, Allentown. Yeah, not for me. Probably rough, man. Yeah, not for me. Yeah. Uh, were there any for you that you have that you uh, reserved and didn't quite make it? No, because to be honest,
0: you kind of shit on some of the ones that I may have to- <laughs> talked about, so uh, we don't need to go into that. And, you know, to be honest, like, everybody knows the other ones. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, he doesn't have thousands of albums, so... That's fair. Um, you, it, the there's other popular ones that we didn't mention or we did in passing throughout the episode that would have made it here, but we don't we don't need to dwell on it. Um All right, Dan. I guess go ahead and give your number one pick. I'm pretty pissed I didn't. Number get
1: one, the best Billy Joel
0: song. It is the best Billy Joel song. It's
1: moving out. Yeah. Anthony's song.
0: It, there's no question.
1: It's like how you not fucking with this song? It is like this is one of those if I had to choose a white people's anthem this is up there this is up there with Don't Stop Believin' maybe maybe Piano Man's more of a classic sing-along song so maybe that is but I don't think there's anything more fun in Billy Joel's ca- catalog than God, uh, it's fucking it's so good man
0: another dude another Italian thing Chicken Cacciatore it's
1: it's so good and like <laughs> yeah, dude. He's like Working a Mr. Gatchito he's down on Sullivan, Sullivan Street. Street. It's so great. Dude,
0: He he's basically like Tony Soprano level of hero to Italian-Americans, I'm dude. telling you.
1: And it's when that that um, chromatic rise into the chorus of the na 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 is everything, dude. Dude, and the, the uh, horns in the chorus after moving out hits... man. Yeah. Dude, this song's so...
0: So um, fucking good. So
1: if you don't know, this is off The Stranger from 77. Oh, that's a B-side I wanted to list, The um,
0: Stranger. That song. Oh, yeah. That's great song. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, this is his fifth album, the first produced by Phil Ramone. When he went to do this record, um, so this is a big thing that um, after the previous album Turnstiles from 76 came out and flopped, so Columbia Records was ready to drop Billy Joel if this record wasn't a hit. Like, they were like, look, man, you got one last chance. Yeah. And it's just so funny that he fucking smashes it out of the park. Yeah. Um, and absolutely crushes. Um, number two on the charts for six weeks, four songs in the top 40, surpassed Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Water to become Columbia's best-selling release with more than 10 million albums sold worldwide. This is it, man. Yeah, baby. 1978 Grammy for Album of the Year. Um... And the song is kind of about his disgust with working class people um, like yearning for these trappings of like the upper class and how like, you know, they want to move out to fucking Hackensack and they want to, you know, trade in their Chevy and get a Cadillac and they want like get all out this of the fancy old, shit. And he's like, want to get
0: out of the old neighborhoods. And
1: yeah. he's like, for fucking what, dude? Yeah. Like, what is that going to get you? That doesn't get you anything. That's not happiness. You're an idiot. And it's... Uh, it just hits the long ring out for I'm for moving before moving out hits. And then when everything stops and it comes back in with the horns, uh, dude, it's, it's perfect. Um, This is, this is peak Joel. It's, it's definitely peak Joel. And then everything drops out in the piano, Mm -hmm. brings you back around. Um, So Cashbox magazine said that the song is growling cellos and a pulsating rhythm section set the mood for joel's threatening indictment of middle-class values and that it has one of the best choruses he's written in some time um i think that's a perfect apt description of this song it's just it's just fantastic man it moves it swings like heart attack like who the fuck is not belting that shit out it's incredible it's the it's the sweet Caroline of Billy Joel's catalog
0: yeah and a much better song and
1: a way better song yeah. uh so with that Dave, what do you got up for us at number one?
0: All right up at number one for me is moving out uh by Billy Joel um I really like just want to emphasize that that is the best the the best <laughs> song and it was going to be my number one um I'm a little bummed about it but I still get to bring everybody a pretty good song here. Up at number one for me is only the good die young. His most controversial song. This is
1: song... my my one and two, man.
0: Yeah, this is this is his most controversial song ever, which is, you know, not something If you if all you knew about Billy Joel was what you heard on the radio, you'd be like, no controversy ever. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. But as we we talked about before, he he's had a much more badass and interesting life than you would have ever thought.
1: And in nineteen seventy seven 1977 to write a song about how Catholic chicks need to give it up.
0: Yep. Um, <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's pretty racy, dude. Yep. And, you know, <laughs> obviously not something you could probably get away with today. Yeah. Um, and actually in an interview this past year, um, he was, sa- uh, Billy Joel was quoted as saying, quote, it's occurred to me recently that I'm trying to talk some poor innocent woman into losing her virginity because of my lust. It's kind of a selfish song. Like, who cares what happens to you? What about what I want? Yeah, but on the I'm other hand, to get some. but on the other hand, it was of its time. This was written in the mid '70s, and I was trying to seduce girls. Why bullshit about it? End quote. Um, I mean, talk about owning it. That's that's um, a
1: classic. Sorry, not sorry.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's listen. Like, the dude wrote the song 50 years ago. What do you want him to do?
1: And it's it's perfect, dude. I love this song. I think. This has one of the best Billy Joel, this, not even one of the, this has the best Billy Joel lyric that's ever written. With the, uh, some say there's a heaven for those who wait. Some say it's better. I say it ain't. I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. Yes. Sinners are much more fun. Yep. That's like the best Billy yeah. Joel lyric he's ever written. Oh my God. Yeah. It's such a, and like, who doesn't think that's true? Yeah. Like, I would rather fucking hang out with those bros then do this pious shit dude like fuck that
0: uh, i mean it's, it's way more fun yeah
1: <laughs> and it's like this like, is so much more fun and like the only people that die young are good people so like
0: fuck yeah that. live it to the fullest and yeah. take you know squeeze every drop you can out of that lemon. or just the,
1: if you're having fun and everything's great you'll live forever <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah they only like the only people that die young are saints so like fuck that dude it's great yeah
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think every lyric in this song is perfect. And the ones that did get him in the most hot water, and they tried to censor it because of, um, you know, him literally going after Catholic schoolgirls, which is hilarious. Uh, the, The lyric is, You Catholic girls start much too late, but sooner or later it comes down to fate. I might as well be the one. I mean, talk about selfish. But, like, it's... Listen, the song's called Only the Good Die Young. Obviously, there was going to be some element of let's let's just fucking go to town before we get out of here like like i said like let's squeeze everything we can out of this there's going to be sexual elements to oh, that and it's, regardless of how you thought about you know living life to the fullest and burning out before you fade away and
1: it's so good and like the you know the the mother told you all i could give you was a reputation mm-hmm. is fucking great. that's a fucking of awesome like, lyric he's like really the bad boy awesome you know what lyric, I mean? yeah. and like, you know the, and then the end is almost like the end. The end reminds me of uh, the Little Mermaid, like the, that whole like bam 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 bam. and one, all yeah. the horns like bam 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 bam. Yeah, like, it I'm does, like yeah. It's it very and, you under know, the sea. So
0: I was gonna say because he's actually the he plays a character and does the songs for Oliver and Company, and it's very similar to that as well. Oh shit! I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He's he's involved in Oliver and Company, That's which awesome. another Disney movie came out shortly after the little mermaid so the same era um and just man just fucking just fun it's upbeat yeah. it's it's way more upbeat than you would expect for a song that like was controversial and censored
1: yeah dude. Uh, but like you know seventies. All, all the lyrics to this are so f- like the you know uh did she ever say a prayer for me whoa 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 <laughs> like yeah. it's so good dude yeah
0: every lyric in this song is is absolutely uh chef's kiss i just i love it it's not moving out but it's a damn close but it's
1: it's so much i these, think it's so these much two are fun. these two are great yeah and it's it's like so they're both fun it's one of those things where i know i know but i mean like it's it's just like a like you could say like the times and things like that but i think like if you think of this song as a perspective of i wrote this about being a younger man yeah you know what i mean like this isn't about me being 30 and wanting Catholic girls. To right. Like, he's,
0: yeah, he's not like, like the, like he's not a fucking Dateline.
1: Yeah. It's like, he, this was me when I was 17, wondering why the girls from the Catholic school wouldn't give me the time of day. Shit, sure, They could have been older girls. Yeah. You know what that I mean? Like it, that,
0: that, as long. Yeah. It, he's not writing. You're right. He's not writing it from the perspective of, you know, some dude who's, yeah, oh, this gotta...
1: song is basically Maria from West side story. Yeah. It's the Same song.
0: Yeah. <laughs> same, <laughs> same premise. It's a bit
1: more crude, a little more crass, but you know, yeah, it's, well, it's well, the
0: same deal. Yeah boxing piano player from long island's not going to be as polite about his songwriting i guess (laughs) um all right man this is a fun one i this is like sometimes when we do these artist focuses it's like like i'm not pumped to look at saint anger again but um (laughs) this one is the opposite and Is enjoyable start to finish, going through all these tracks, and I think you know
1: driving around listening to Billy Joel has been very enjoyable. Yeah,
0: and obviously there's there's some obvious choices in here, but when you get some of these all time greats, that's what they are. Yeah, like like we've said we say all the time, like there's a reason why everybody likes pizza. It's because it's fucking good, and some of the you know sometimes the chalks the best way you know the best pick, and we you know. We love these the songs we chose. We truly, truly love and have for, for a very long time. Yeah. Um, so this, this me is me and my
1: brother, Pat, we agree on literally nothing musically. But when he used to drive me around when he was, he's like four years older than me. Mm-hmm. So when he would drive me places, the only CD he had in his car that I didn't hate was he had the greatest hits of Billy Joel. Grace hits one and two where he's like laying on the piano. Yeah. Yeah. The black and white cover. We all know it. Oh yeah. Um, that he had that. And that's always what I would put in the side one track ones. Piano man. Yeah. And like the second track was Entertainer. Like I still remember like the fucking order. Uh,
0: or that's how you know like you really really loved something. Yeah. Like when you can still think back on the order. It's like it's like knowing a friend's phone number by heart. Mm-hmm. Like that you know you've had that friend for a long time. If you if you can do their phone number without looking their name up.
1: Your parents' last four are still two nine four one. That's right. I still remember that.
0: If I don't even know if they have it, but that was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. yeah,
1: It's like they might not even have because I don't think my parents have a landline anymore.
0: Yeah, I think after like the four millionth uh, spam call, they just ripped it off the wall. Yeah, same is, deal. Like, yeah.
1: I think their phone number is still connected. They just don't have a yeah. house phone.
0: I think technically I have a house phone number, but just because it, I think it's cheaper to get one.
1: Yeah, the, that's my parents too. They're like, the yeah. bundle's less.
0: Yeah. Can't believe we got into bundling. Uh <laughs> billy bundling i I see it yeah we're really we're
1: really in our 30s huh yeah we
0: really are all right this is a fun one um let us know on social media hit us up and let us know what your favorite billy joel songs are maybe we didn't mention one that you're a big fan of um or let us know what you thought of our choices and don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and uh feel free to leave comments too uh let us know what you think about the The podcast as a whole or the episodes. Uh, We'd love to hear your feedback. Love to hear what you would like more of uh, so we can continue to, you know, put out stuff that people are into.
1: And I'm super proud of us for not making a single joke about his initials being BJ. Not once.
0: Yeah. Sometimes, you know, like you said, we're in our 30s, early 30s. Yeah. That's the way it goes. Well done. We We don't get funny. Funnier. We get more boring. Dan,
1: tell everyone where they can find us. Alright, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under at DD Music Factory. That's the letter D, the letter N, and the letter D again, followed by Music Factory. Uh, you can find me personally at, at Lukewarm Steve Austin on Instagram and D.